0: Alright, so today we are talking, (laughs) really? Right when we start
1: talking about... There's separate (laughs) tracks, you can just turn the volume down on my side.
0: Shit, I forgot. Okay. So today we're talking... (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. So today we're going to talk about... Okay, I think it's over. So today... Oh god, dude. Welcome to Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. I'm Matt. We're two brothers who talk about movies as if our opinions matter. Today we will catch up on what we've been watching, break a curse with The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and we'll debate the best demonic possession film. So without further ado, let's run that back. So of course... You know, since we last spoke, a new show from Marvel Studios came out, and I know that our listener is like, oh, they're going to talk about it. So before we dive into that, I do want to mention that I watched Bo Burnham's Inside. Did you watch it yet? I
1: still haven't finished
0: it. Okay, I've now watched it twice, (laughs) which is making it out to be like, I'm in love with it, Mm -hmm. which maybe I am but i i really liked that comedy special if that's exactly what you want to call it i don't know but it was it seems very to me well like made. it's
1: like it's more like impressive oh yeah Than, oh my god this is so funny i mean like he's it, funny don't get me is, wrong
0: the thing is Bo burnham his like comedy style is also like it like brings up things that make you not want to laugh because it's just kind of existential and like depressing Mm -hmm. but he his lyrics are just really good (laughs) so I liked Bo Burnham's Inside definitely check it out if you like Bo Burnham have you watched anything other than the the recent Marvel Studios before we get into that She-Hulk um I have about 10 minutes left of The Good Place like you're on the last episode Mm mm-hmm And you have 10 minutes left of the last episode. Yes. And you paused it, I'm guessing, to do this. Yes. I don't know how I feel about that, but (laughs) I guess you have something to look forward to. (laughs) Everyone kept talking about, I I say everyone, I had heard from quite a
1: few people how great this show was. Everyone. And I went, eh, I'll give it a shot. And oh my God, it's so good.
0: It's so good.
1: (laughs) And I didn't realize that it's the same showrunner as Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so when a lot of the same actors and stuff showed up, mm-hmm. it's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I like how they, they even had, from, like, Parks and Rec, they had uh, Adam. What's his name? Is it Adam? It's the guy's name that plays Ben in Parks and Rec. Whoa. I'm so blanking right now.
1: I immediately, when you brought it up, knew that you meant Adam Scott. I just wanted to sit here in silence for a minute.
0: (laughs) Well, that was fantastic. (laughs) When they brought Adam Scott in, it was very nice. It was really funny and how he played like a demon that was just so mean all the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man.
1: And I I really love mean Janet, or bad Janet. Yes. Yes. Like, hey, where should we start? How about your dad's sweaty butt? (laughs) she's always on her phone she's always looking at her phone and every time uh, someone tries to end a conversation she's like hold on one more thing and then she farts yeah
0: (laughs) and then leaves
1: maya rudolph is the judge of all everything is incredible
0: in this show and i still say take it sleazy all the time because there's that one episode where michael who's a demon says like He always wanted to be like a human, and one of the things he always wanted to do was end a conversation with, take it sleazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of his all-time dreams that he never got to do.
1: (laughs) When they were trying to get Cheaty to relax, and he invented, he combined Cheaty and relax, so he invented the word chillax. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) But my favorite part about him saying that he wanted to say, take it sleazy, was that he went, whatever, I'm out of here. And Eleanor goes, "Uh, take it sleazy, and he goes... (laughs) Oh, well, now you got to say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like anyway, what's his name? Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Yeah, I don't know if anyone out there has ever heard of this guy, Ted Danson, <laughs> but he's got great comedic timing.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's been in much. Uh, he's been in many successful TV shows.
0: We'll have to. Maybe we can look him up later. I, I think he just I think The Good Place is the first show he's ever been in, so God, we'll have to look at God, it. He was He was in Cheers. He was in what? He was in Cheers. I've never heard of that, so it's I don't know what that is. It's fitting that you had
1: to ask me what his name was.
0: <laughs> We're getting way off topic. We're supposed to be talking about Loki right now. Wow. Yep. We have Owen Wilson in the studio. Matt and I are in two different locations right now, but still somehow Owen Wilson is in the studio. And if you think that's amazing, you know what you can say. ka <laughs> I was setting you up for wow, but <laughs> either way, yeah, he's here. He's just going to say wow and ka-chow, but he, he it's in his contract. He's not allowed to say anything else, but Matt brings up Owen Wilson because Owen Wilson is starring in the newest Marvel Studios TV show Loki on Disney+. Uh, none of this is a sponsor, but that totally sounded like I was saying a commercial or something like that for the show. Owen Wilson, to me, was my favorite part of that first episode because only one episode has come out so far even more than tara strong (laughs) yeah i saw that i saw her name in the credits as the voice i I, i'm interested in what you thought of it like obviously it's just the first part of like six episodes but i was kind of like it was a little bit boring to me
1: you ever you ever have a day off of work where Kristen works um, all the time, <laughs> and then she comes home from work, and you've done absolutely nothing all day. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, "Did you have a good day?" And you were like, "Yeah, I did." Yeah, that's how I felt about Loki. Yeah, there you got there wasn't it and you were like okay. there wasn't really much, but I really enjoyed it. Okay, I I heard okay. someone else um, say. I'm more excited for what's to come than I was about this episode, of course, um but this episode did this episode had a lot of work to do to like it did to like get the story going. One, they had to establish the TVA mm-hmm. and like explain what all that was and two, they had to take Loki from the end of the first Avengers movie mm-hmm. to the end of Thor Ragnarok like character growth wise
0: do you feel like they did it
1: i feel like they did i don't i don't feel like it's the same i don't feel like he's the same loki as he was at the end of thor ragnarok but i Mm -hmm. think that they effectively got him to realize that like everything's not about him
0: so you're thinking that it's going forward it's less gonna be that They've, they've caught him up, and it's more going to be he's a more open-minded Loki. <laughs>
1: right. Just like the Loki we got in Infinity War was a more right. open Loki, or the end of Ragnarok was a more open-minded Loki. Just yeah. not the same exact. because I mean, You know, he doesn't have the same experiences. It's not going to be the same.
0: And then what were you thinking during the little animated lady, Miss Minute? When she was explaining how breaking off of your timeline makes you a variant and all that stuff. The first thing out of my mouth was, but that's what Captain America did when he decided to stay back. And then later on, the judge is like, oh, yeah, what the Avengers did was meant to happen. And I was like, "Uh, I don't know if I accept that. (laughs) Okay.
1: So how much do you know about
0: the timekeepers?
1: I don't know anything from the
0: comics. I
1: don't know how closely they're going to stay to the comics.
0: Yeah. Possible spoilers ahead if Matt's <laughs> knowledge of the comics makes a spoiler.
1: <laughs> in the comics there were all different timelines and there were, yeah. you know, fighting timelines or whatever. And then in one particular timeline, the very last director of the TVA, the last thing he did before time ended was create the Timekeepers. So the Timekeepers created the what did they call it? The the main timeline. The timeline? I don't remember what the, they called it. Whatever. They want to maintain that timeline because that timeline is the timeline in which they are created. Oh. So everything that happened in that timeline, they want to make sure that that happens again. You know what I Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, so they have kind of a selfish motive so to keep themselves So if in that alive.
1: original timeline, the Avengers went back in time and Captain America looped and you know, whatever then that's what they want to happen because that's the timeline in which they get created. I think they're going to be the main villain of this show. Right.
0: So, and what you're saying is that, like, literally at the end of the timeline is when they're created. Right. So,
1: So, and they're maintaining this timeline not because this is what is meant to happen. it's It's self-preservation.
0: And then there was that scene where Loki discovered that they just have Infinity Stones just lying around all <laughs> over the place. You think those are just like infinity stones from other dimensions or something or other timelines? Yeah, other timelines, yeah. I think, you know, kind of same thing is uh,
1: there's also like a super, super, super valuable baseball card in that drawer and stuff like that. So I think it's just as they catch people who are going back inside, back in time to like get rich.
0: Get stuff, yeah.
1: Um. So I'm going to go back in time where I know the soul stone was and I'm going to take the soul stone. Right. They're going to. They're going to go get that variant, they're going to blow up the timeline, and they're going to take the Soul Stone and just throw it in a drawer, because it doesn't right. mean anything in the TVA.
0: So, it's going to be interesting going forward and watching it, because it's just funny that so far, WandaVision, to me, had such a banger intro. It was like, from the first episode, I was into it. And Falcon and Winter Soldier, I needed some time. And now Loki, I guess, no pun intended, I need some time. <laughs> but... I'm interested in where they're going with it and like I said I like I like Owen Wilson. I didn't know he was going to be in this show.
1: He's so good.
0: So it'll be by the next time we do an episode there'll probably be two more episodes out on loki yeah. so we'll see what i'm thinking at that point we'll
1: see there's only six total
0: wow so they just keep getting shorter yeah. and shorter these shows I heard, the black widow. Be one I heard the
1: black widow uh series is only one episode
0: that's a movie man. they're making
1: it long a long episode but
0: <laughs> okay yeah man wouldn't that be nuts if it's just like movies were considered just long episodes of tv shows
1: i mean especially in the avengers in the mcu like they kind of yeah. are is, they're comic w- is that book just issues. one long tv show they're comic it's it's comics honest on a screen
0: oh, god i'm losing my mind over here <laughs> i don't know when I'm, I'm starting to feel possessed <laughs> oh i see what you did there Today we're talking about the Conjuring: The Devil Made Me Do It, which is a longer, more drawn-out way of saying the Conjuring Three. I don't know why they added a subtitle to this movie. So the movie was directed by James. Oh uh, no, actually Michael Chavez. James Wan only produced this one. It was written by Strap in, Matt, <clears throat> David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. That is one name. <laughs> that was one. Was person there an ampersand? <laughs> There was not in his name. I think they were just having, like, a discount at the uh, name-buying store. At the
1: surname store. So
0: David Leslie Johnson McColdrick, and I will only say all his entire <laughs> name, I will never say, he co-wrote The Conjuring 2 with the original Conjuring writers, and he also wrote the movie The Nun, which I didn't see, but I guess those were good enough auditions for him to then write this third Conjuring installment by himself. It's starring Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson as our favorite ghost-hunting Christian superheroes. And it's also starring Ruairi O'Connor. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. And Sarah Catherine Hook. As well as Owen... No, Owen Wilson's not in it. But uh, as well as some others.
1: Also the little boy from Haunting of Hill House.
0: (laughs) Yes, and you can tell. Like... (laughs) it's just he's just the same kid <laughs> he has the glasses they don't stay on his face like it's literally the whole package yeah
1: same haircut
0: Cr- kristen wasn't watching the movie i just had it on and she went is that the kid from ha- oh yeah it is <laughs> and she said i looked up i thought i thought you were watching the haunting of hill
1: house <laughs> he was wearing a bowler
0: hat <laughs> All right, so before we really get into it, I just want to say that the movie is about, and this is a very quick one, after a failed exorcism, a demon attaches itself to a young man named Arnie. While possessed and having a waking nightmare, he stabs a man to death. Arnie is arrested and charged for the murder. Ed and Lorraine Warren get involved and have Arnie plead not guilty due to demonic possession. So through investigation, Ed and Lorraine learn that it's not exactly a demon per se, but really it's a Satanist witch casting a curse on Arnie. Ed and Lorraine find clues and solve the case, and they stop the Satanist. But Arnie still gets found guilty because he murdered someone. And you can't just say you were possessed by a demon because I'm sorry if someone out there doesn't want to hear this, but no one's possessed by a demon. Demons don't exist, guys. I'm sorry. I was really happy when he was found guilty at the end of the movie. I was like, if they... But he wasn't found ed- guilty of murder. What was, It was manslaughter. He slaughtered a man! <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that what you were getting at? <laughs> well, no, just that it was manslaughter, not murder. Okay. He only went to jail for five years.
0: Yeah. Well, in... Oh, yeah. Because I forgot to tell you guys. <laughs> Get your spooky lights and sounds ready. <clears throat> this is based on a true story. From Ed and Lorraine Warren's actual case files.
1: That Arnie Johnson is a real person and that murder yeah, really happened and he really I did use up. the demonic possession
0: yeah, defense. And he really did get well, sentenced to prison. They didn't use it, actually.
1: They that was a um a strategy that his legal team considered, and once they realized that there was absolutely no evidence to support it, they went with self defense instead. And
0: that's why he was found guilty of manslaughter, because it was self-defense. So you see, that's, that's the true story. So why did it say based on a true story at the beginning of this movie?
1: Because the story that they're telling you is based on a true story. They, they took this true story, and then
0: they said, well, what if this happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's based. You're right. All right. So that's the movie. Can, real quick. Yes.
1: I was reading this is the second movie ever made based on that murder. Okay. the That murder that happened in 1981. Okay. The first movie came out in 1983.
0: <laughs> no one's really interested in this story, I guess.
1: The guy was still in jail. Yeah. Like, what does the he family prob- of the victim
0: feel about that movie? The fact that I've never heard of that movie means that it probably wasn't that good of a movie anyway. Either way, what did you think of this movie? What'd you think of The Conjuring? The Devil Made Me Do It, written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. I would like
1: to hear your opinion.
0: Okay. I thought, like, overall the visuals were not bad. They, they There were, like, a few really cool sequences visually. The effects were really good. You could really tell that this was a big budget horror movie. That being said, um, I felt like it was generic, but it was still a Conjuring movie. So, like, I felt like the actual, like, if it's just a straight horror movie, it's pretty generic and didn't really do anything that interesting or new. But I enjoy Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga together as Ed and Lorraine Warren, this fictional version of them. And honestly, I kind of like that Lorraine is pretty much a superhero. Like, I bet she's going to join the X-Men in the next movie. It's going to be like a crossover event because she literally has powers in these movies. And so, yeah, I I didn't love it, but I didn't really hate it either. It was kind of like in the middle. You have to watch these movies as if they're taking place in a fantasy land, completely detached from reality. And once you're able to do that, it's a lot of fun to me. But it's kind of hard when it says based on a true story <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know this doesn't always make for a super interesting podcast, but I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. The whole time while I enjo- I was not not enjoying myself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there was that, there was no point where I wanted to turn it off. But I just kept thinking about how much better it would have been if James Wan directed it. Yes. And it really... And if Lee Wannell wrote it.
0: Yes, well...
1: (laughs) And if it was Insidious.
0: I was going to say, technically, none of the Conjuring movies are written by Lee Wannell. No, I know. Also, (laughs) literally. Matt's like, I like Lee Wannell. Oh, I said technically? Yeah. (laughs) I meant literally. (laughs) But you really do... It's when you watch a movie like this, where it's like, you can tell that Michael Chavez, like, has that same style that James Wan has like they like the same kinds of shots and going upside down and but James Wan brings like extra like detail to it all here's
1: something that I noticed that James Wan does a lot that for some reason a lot of other horror directors don't Andy Muschietti did it fairly well in it but not quite as well as James Wan he sets you up for the jump scare And then doesn't scare you. And then sets you up and then doesn't scare you. And then sets you up and then doesn't scare you. So when there is a jump scare, one, it's effective. And two, it doesn't feel cheap. Right. In this movie, every time a scene started, you knew exactly where it was going. You knew exactly what was going to happen. And you knew exactly where the scare was going to be. Yep. So, without even seeing the trailer, I watched the trailer after I watched the movie. Without ever even seeing the trailer, as soon as I laid eyes on that waterbed. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I completely get you. And I was thinking while watching it that you can tell that they had such a high budget. Because, like I said, the effects and all that stuff were great. But I was telling Kristen, the opening scene of this movie is like a botched exorcism pretty much of like an eight-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. And it gets to that, you know, climactic point of the scene where like the little boy is like contorting his body and he's foaming at the mouth and everyone's screaming and stuff is flying around and the music is intense. And I was just sitting there thinking like, I'm as far away from scared as I could possibly be Mm -hmm. right now. And they're doing everything they can to try to scare me out of that but I just don't care <laughs> scene, you know what stuck
1: out most of me you know, it was the only thing in that scene where I was like that was cool what was it was when he was being dragged down the uh, stairs and he was reaching out and the claw marks would appear on the wall
0: yes that was very cool it's just those little details that happen that don't really need to be there right. but they're there and then you know, you have something like that's the b- very beginning of a movie. I, I, It's part of the reason why it's not my favorite thing for a horror movie to begin with a really intense scene is at the beginning of a movie, I don't know who any of these people are, so I don't really care what happens, right. especially in a horror movie like right. where people are pretty expendable because you have The Exorcist that was made... 50 years ago or 60 at this point maybe even 70 how old is that movie either way the exorcism in that movie happens at the end of the movie and it's much less intense by today's standards but because you've spent the whole movie with these characters you're very engaged 1973 so it's almost been 50 years yes so a 50 year old movie does less, but because the big scary scenes happen like as you meet and learn about the characters it's it's more engaging and fun. This movie, oh my God, did it just not I just didn't care about anyone in it <laughs> anyone, maybe ed and Lorraine but but like that's it.
1: it was also too predictable,
0: yeah. You're right. You knew everything that was happening in every scene. But I mean, every... not
1: even not even like, oh, they're going to try to scare me with this. Like, they go yeah. to visit that old priest, and they go down yeah. to his basement, and you're like, well, he's
0: involved. <laughs> yeah. Lorraine is like, I don't think we should go down there. Right. And Ed is, like, treating her as if she's not a fucking superhero <laughs> right. that has, like... Literally a 100% success rate when knowing something is going <coughs> right. to go shitty. And he's like, let's go.
1: <laughs> they go to that other city where the other girl was possessed. and yes. It was, oh, they're going out to the forest. She's going to, you know, see it happen and find the right. body.
0: Right. Well, that's you know exactly what? what happened. One of my favorite examples of this clearly taking place in a fantasy land detached from reality is Ed and Lorraine talking to that local cop and explaining to him how, yeah, demonic possessions, it happens, like, we think it's a curse from a Satanist witch, and blah, 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 and the cop is just like, do you think you can help me? Like, he's not like, get the fuck out of my (laughs) office. (laughs) And then he's like, if you can tell me which of these is the murder weapon and which two are just random things from the evidence locker, I'll believe you. And I'm just like, this would never happen. It just wouldn't. (laughs) Well, it's based on a true story. Yeah, it is based on I'm sure Lorraine said that happened. (laughs) (laughs) You had another example of how predictable the movie was.
1: As soon as the first sentence left the mouth of the guy that they were renting that room from, (laughs) you were like, he's dead. Yes. He's going to be the one that dies.
0: You're like, this guy sucks, but like... We won't have to deal with him for very long. Right.
1: Because, oh, they're uh, they're making him very unlikable, so you're not focused on it when he's killed.
0: Right. They had to walk this, like, fine line of making him unlikable enough that you don't really care that he's not going to be in the movie and also not mean enough that they try to make it seem justified that they killed him or something. So it's like he had to be... Kind of a douche, yeah. But not he was just really. kind of
1: a bummer. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's almost worse than being a complete <laughs> asshole. Hey, you want to hang out with uh with Bill? I don't know. He's just kind of a bummer. <laughs> it's nothing too intense. It's just like I kind of don't want to hang out with. Right. Him. But yeah, and the thing is, like, what's really weird is the original Conjuring, definitely. plays into a lot of tropes of possession movies the second conjuring really ups the like cheesy like it's almost like a romance movie
1: i love the second conjuring movie but i like it better than the first one
0: there are times where I feel I like it better than the, the first one. And yes, it is when Patrick Wilson is singing, I can't help falling in <laughs> love with you. I remember that scene happening the first time I saw it and being like, is this, is this happening horror right horror movie? now? <laughs> in a horror movie? And it's like part of The Conjuring is this like really, really cheesy love story between Ed and Lorraine. Right. And like, you can't discount how cheesy it is. Like it's literally like Hallmark movie levels sometimes. This movie, I was even a little bit like, all right, guys, like, I get it. You guys love each other. What does Lorraine say? Her line in this is like, she thinks our love makes us weak. Oh, yeah. But she's wrong or something. And I was just like, Jesus. Christ. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Yeah, and what was that? She blew, like, magic possession dust in his face, and and then he's just...
0: Well, she had cursed him once already.
1: That lady was creepy-looking AF.
0: (laughs) But yeah, they did definitely do a good job making her creepy. And you just said something stupid about the Satanist blowing the powder into Patrick Wilson's face that was one of those really really cool shots Mm -hmm. was it was lorraine and as she ran down the hall and like passed through the shadows when she came out of the shadows she was the satanist that was super cool and the other thing that i thought was really 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 good looking was when at the very end arnie was like getting his full possession on Mm -hmm. and the priest that they had at the jail had (laughs) no idea what to fucking do. <laughs> he was like sitting there like looking at at the the guy's girlfriend like now? Do I read it now? It's like I don't know. You're the priest. Either way. Arnie was like levitating and there was just this shot with the like lights passing the windows and he mm-hmm. was levitating and like the wind was blowing everywhere and I was just like this looks amazing right, right. now.
1: It's not that it wasn't entertaining and and, and yeah. I don't know if it's just... We watch a lot of horror movies, mm-hmm. and we've kind of and and this one was just a little bit too formulaic.
0: Oh yeah, I think that's what it was.
1: And again, these movies in in this James Wan, I don't know, Conjuring verse, right? That's what I've really liked about them is that they yeah. they played with that formula. It's still there if you you know look deeply. Yeah, but it it didn't just like stick to the formula all the time.
0: And this one did.
1: Right. So it, I enjoyed it, but I was a little bit disappointed.
0: It was really it was really riding on the coattails of those first two movies, like right. a lot. And
1: Patrick Wilson was great. And oh, Vera yeah. Farmiga was great. Oh, yeah. And Little Kid from Haunting of Hill House was good.
0: Really, everyone in it was pretty good. <laughs> right. I, I didn't think anyone was bad. It was very generic right, <laughs> so right. so anyway all <laughs> i don't know why james wan refuses to direct the, third, the movie third of whatever in a trilogy because he didn't do insidious chapter three either but Look, at least i'm gonna Lee say did. It.
1: insidious chapter three was good
0: i need to watch it again but i remember enjoying it obviously we feel certain ways about the movie what did you give this movie star rating wise
1: um i came out with three stars
0: so did I, and I dropped it to two and a half. <laughs> Would you recommend this movie? Yes. Y- obviously, if someone's like, hey, should I watch The Conjuring 3? Well, have you seen the first two? Like, don't start with this one. So it's like, <laughs> if someone's seen the first two Conjurings, they're probably already watching this movie. But of course, it's fu- Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are that entertaining to me.
1: And I said it to Carrie this way because I watched it without Carrie. Mm -hmm. I told her, if you wanted to watch it, I would watch it with you without hesitation. But I I wouldn't, like, when she goes to work and I'm home, I wouldn't be like, all right, I'm going to watch The Conjuring 3 again. Like, I would just watch The Conjuring 2.
0: Let me just show something to everyone real quick. What if James Wan directed this movie? Five would stars. it be like, I'm watching this movie right away? It, it
1: would have been, and I'm not trying to <laughs> yes. to, to tear down um, Michael Chavez. Right, I'm not trying to tear down Michael Chavez and be like, it's just that James Wan is that, He's that entertaining and, and different, and yeah. I feel like he could do a lot more. Now, it's not like he had the Shawshank Redemption to work with and he came out with The Conjuring 3. Like yeah, The script my, has something Chavez. to do with it. It but you know what I written. mean, it's not like he got The Conjuring 1 script and was like...
0: <laughs> right. And that's not to shit on David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. That's not that's not what we're saying. Because he technically, he co-wrote, not even technically, he literally co-wrote The Conjuring 2. That was co-written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick.
1: Yeah, but I'm it was studying. also co-written by the person who wrote The First Conjuring, right?
0: Yeah, it was two brothers. Last name's Hayes. I don't know. I don't know names very well, but it was at least co-written by David Leslie Johnson McOldrick. The more I read it, Are you regretting the more your I decision? think this isn't his <coughs> name. Like The more I'm thinking, I like looked up who wrote it and accidentally found a joke. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. I'm seriously, I'm salty that it's not just called The Conjuring 3. Because... They named it The Devil Made Me Do It because that's like, you know, the phrase that came out of that court proceeding, Mm -hmm. you know, that famous court proceeding that only ever had one movie made of it (laughs) other than this one. Just call it The Conjuring 3, guys. Or even
1: The Conjuring 3 colon The Devil Made Me Do It. Yes.
0: I don't understand. Now we're going to talk about something very similar but also kind of different because I wanted to... You know, watching The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Um, written by, (laughs) I'm just kidding, (laughs) Um, made me just think of other movies that deal with demonic possession and everything. And so I asked you if you would want to, you know, just talk about our favorite demonic possession films, and you mentioned how you would, but you've already talked about Insidious a lot on this podcast and how much Mm -hmm. you like it. And I was shocked that that's the movie that you would have chosen to talk about with that prompt Mm -hmm. when The Exorcist exists. I was scared that we were both going to be talking about The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. And so I said to you, like, oh, I thought we were both going to be talking about The Exorcist. (laughs) To which you said, (laughs) The Exorcist is a steaming pile of goose shit compared to Insidious which might be the most ridiculous thing anyone has ever said. <laughs> and so I, so obviously, immediately, I texted back, okay, well, we definitely have to talk about this, <laughs> if that's your stance. Because <laughs> I would say that The Exorcist is like... Overrated? I mean, it's, just the, it's just the best demonic possession film ever made. Is Insidious even a demonic possession film? He just oh, was goes was the boy further possessed
1: by a demon?
0: N- was he? I, uh, well,
1: looks like you're going to have to come over and let's watch Insidious.
0: Oh, God. It seems like you're going to have to come over and let's watch The Exorcist.
1: I've seen The Exorcist.
0: And that's how you know how it compares to Insidious.
1: Yeah. You know what the little kids in uh, Insidious are doing? Getting are possessed doing? by demons. You know what the little kid in Exorcist is doing? Peeing what? on the floor.
0: I would argue that Insidious is not demonic possession because his like Dalton's like soul is pulled into the further by a demon, but the demon never takes over Dalton. If anything, I would say Insidious chapter two (laughs) is a demonic possession. But why does,
1: but why does the demon pull Dalton's soul into the further? So that he
0: can weaken his body and take it over.
1: Right. But he doesn't. So he can possess.
0: So he can, but he doesn't. But in the second movie, Patrick Wilson is possessed. That's a fact. Mm Mm-hmm. So you want to change your answer to Insidious Chapter 2? Nope. No? Oh. You're holding your ground. Yep. Your official stance is, The Exorcist is a pile of goose shit compared to Insidious. Yes. Well... This whole thing has maybe felt like a bit to some of you, and in entire honesty, I don't know if it is. <laughs> I don't know what Matt if Matt thinks this or not. <laughs> but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm being scared. a
1: little extreme. Yes, The Exorcist is a very well made movie mm-hmm. by the standards of 1973. Wow. I always We're... bump into effects. Yeah. I, when I it's... watch The Thing, it, it's a really great movie. It really is, but I bump into the effects.
0: I feel like The Thing is also like a master class in practical effects. Y- yes. <laughs> For the 80s? <laughs> is that what you're thinking right now? If you go back and
1: watch it now, it looks like Sesame Street.
0: Okay, okay. So now Matt's official stance is that the thing and the Exorcist <laughs> are piles of goose shit compared to Insidious. I know that this I know that it's not popular. <laughs> I know. And The
1: Exorcist, I'm sorry. I feel like it's a little bit overrated.
0: It's not. Okay. You need to watch The Exorcist again because it's just not overrated. Not only is it a fantastically scary movie, but it's also just outside of that, just a good movie. The the characters right. Insidious are so is a good. great movie. So it's so The Exorcist is good and Insidious is great. But like, so that's where you got me there was with was right. with words yeah. and grammar.
1: Yeah. Okay. Grammar thinks so. Also, I asked her well, the other day. Also, there's something, and this isn't a demonic possession thing. This is a horror thing. But there's nothing in. There was nothing in Conjuring 3, and there's nothing mm, when I watch it now. When I was eight years old, and Jen and Jessica made me watch The Exorcist, this was not right. the case. But there's no image in that movie that, like, haunts me, that, like, scares me when I'm walking through the house at night. Mm-hmm. When I think too insidious, and, and, and again, this is just me personally, this is just something that sticks out to me in horror movies. Right. When I think about it's Insidious, and I think about the silhouette of that demon reaching out for the baby. Yeah. Not baby. <laughs> the little kid.
0: It's creepy. I still...
1: I can't, t- I couldn't tell you the last time I watched Insidious. And yeah. when I'm, like, walking into my bedroom... Yeah. And I'm opening the door, and Carrie's sleeping in the bed,
0: I think I'm gonna see that. I know what you mean. And... You know what? That scene in Insidious reminds me of a question I had during The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which was, why are demon fingers so crackly? Like, they always, like, like in, in The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, there were fingers... Who was it written by? <laughs> you want to know who wrote that movie? Mm-hmm. Um, David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. Oh, okay. So... And how how David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick wrote it was there are fingers up on top of like a shower curtain. And as they like pull themselves away, the sound effect is like. <coughs> mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I haven't seen Insidious in a little bit. But when the demon's hand like moves up, it makes like a. <coughs> mm-hmm. Why are they so crackly? Uh,
1: th- no lotion in the afterlife.
0: Oh, OK. Yeah. I thought maybe it was like a joints thing or something, but you're thinking it's like their skin. Is <clears throat> right. Very, very dry and hard. Yes. OK, that makes more sense. So this was a terrible episode. <laughs> <laughs> this this last part here, I don't know if any of it will be usable, but if it is, I hope you enjoyed it.
1: The Exorcist is not that good.
0: The, uh, just keep saying it it'll never become true we have our Instagram let's run that back we have our website let's run that back dot com our email is let's run that back pod at gmail dot com email us and tell us which is the better movie The Exorcist or Insidious I would love to see it and and
1: be honest
0: be honest
1: don't be one don't, of these film school jackasses
0: yeah don't be us <laughs> I don't know <laughs> All right, so this was Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. Projected? They projected what they were going to No. You said projected. Hmm? He's Matt. And this was Let's Run That Back. You have a good one.